speaking of movies named after animals, would you like to introduce our, our BFI movie of the week? I would. Our BFI Sight and Sound movie of the week is the 1963 movie, Italian film, The Leopard. This is a film that was directed by director Count Lucino Visconti. Count, I wasn't aware. He is a count. Yes. So, um, wow. There's an interesting conversation to be had with Visconti as a director, as this is his only film on the list. Um, But before we get into that, I will just uh, briefly summarize the film. It is a historical epic that takes place during the, um, there's, there's, there's a term for it, but um, starts off with a uh, famous Italian historical figure, Garibaldi, Garibaldi who is uh, invading Sicily, sort of. Um, and there's a lot of different like political things going on in Italy that most people, and even I think at this point, Italians probably are not aware of at this point. Um, mm. But this is, this is essentially the story of the formation of a single entity known as Italy, which before was you know, controlled by various European powers and uh, for the longest time wasn't a singular nation. And so in the background of this film is that uh, shifting political landscape from the, the old kings of Spain and Italy and the papal states. Uh, it, it's shifting from them to the, the new order away from the aristocracy away from the aristocracy to the uh more democracy of sorts mm. and that's all in the background and it's kind of it's a lot but the story is about a uh, a sicilian noble who is um coming to terms with all all that stuff all that's changing around him the, the violence the political upheaval the introduction of democracy and um his subsequent uh, uh relationship with his nephew and marrying him off to the uh, nouveau riche uh, a new businessman in uh, it's hard really uh it, it's 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 loaded it's quite yeah a bit. it's 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 not like one of those uh, historical epics like lawrence of arabia where it's about okay well lawrence is uh advising in the arab rebellion great that's the story this is just like a man is coming to terms with him getting older and the, the way the world is shifting out from underneath him. And the it's an interesting film because there is so much historical, political context behind the scenes that in order to fully appreciate what the film is doing, you probably should know a little bit about. But yeah, I think I think the the emotional journey that that happens of him uh, dealing with the the changing times is uh, at the very least clear. And so especially towards the end. The yeah, last and half. so I'm I'm curious to hear what Chandler thinks as I have seen this before. I have the Criterion Blu-ray. I'll discuss that. But See, yes. not only have I not seen this before, but this is one of those few movies that I hadn't even heard of until you brought it up. Wow. You you have have you you have you heard of Lucino Visconti before? No. Nope. The director? I knew uh, the only movies of his that I knew uh, was Rocco and his brothers. And I think it's because you watched that semi recently. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Which I think you would like because it it, uh, it prominently features boxing. And people awesome. like box. I like box. Which I recently learned you like. I do. Uh, 
Yeah, I don't know what it is without uh, the, these Italian directors, but it's a big blind spot. Lots of Italian directors. I just, I don't know, just pass me by. Yeah, so this is a movie to me. I like these kinds of movies, these movies about transitions. Um, it reminded me a lot of like uh, Colonel Blimp, uh, Inherent Vice, those kinds of movies. Um, I'll admit, I, so I watched this over the course of two days, hour and a half, hour and a half, split into two. I was just not feeling it to sit it all down for uh, a three hour movie. The first day, the first hour and a half, I was bored. <laughs> <laughs> I was very bored mm. um, to the point where I thought I just wasn't going to like this movie. Maybe because I got through the first hour and a half and I had like a day to sit. I, I, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know what the story was. I didn't know what the themes were. I didn't know. I definitely should have looked up some of this historical context because I feel like that definitely helps. But after like sort of, you know, uh, watching the first half, letting it sit, kind of getting an idea. The, the, the second day when I watched the second half, I was a lot more engaged. Um, so I'm hesitant to say that uh, to what I fully think about this movie. I think overall it is a good movie. Um, it's obviously a gorgeous movie. Um, and it's one of those movies that, again, like uh, I was saying with Sleep with Anger, when I was reading it or watching it, I thought this feels like a book. And it wasn't until I started listening to the commentary that I realized it was a book. So I thought yeah. that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, but the, the surface level observations, my my biggest flaw with the movie. Uh, you don't dub Burt Lancaster. I understand why you want to keep the, the, the language consistent, but Burt Lancaster just has this presence about him. And it was very jarring watching him, one of the most uh, beloved American macho actors, be dubbed by some Italian guy. It's it's so interesting you say that because I'm sure you heard in the commentary that the 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 person did who did that said that um, dubbing him was actually better. Because oh, it, like, really? the did voice, he speak Italian? Yeah. What? Did did Burt Lancaster record his lines in Italian? Did he no, like no, no, perform no, no. It? the person oh, okay. who dubbed the 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 person on the commentary? Um, David Cowie. Yeah, anyway, yeah, I listened to the first half. Thought it was uh, even better, like not just in terms of like a a um, utilitarian thing. You just need to dub it because it's an Italian language film. Yeah, he thought it was just a good thing to dub Burt Lancaster, taking the opposite opinion of you. Uh, I take well, a much different opinion. It's just um, it's an Italian film. You need to you need to have it in Italian. No, that's I know. just what I they get did. It. I, I get it. I know why they did it. I, I don't disagree with their decision. I just love Burt Lancaster and I wanted to see Burt. Lan I didn't even watch the American version. I didn't bother. Oh, I was going to say there is a, a an American version, which is in English. Yeah. yeah, which is interesting. I always find it interesting when they they felt they felt the need to release a foreign language film in English. Um, um, I'm not sure I'll but, ever, I'm ever going to watch it, but I suppose I guess there's I no real reason to. It's 20 minutes shorter, I guess. But th that doesn't really matter to me because, again, I love Burt Lancaster, whatever. But he does have the the physicality, the appearance, the performance for this role. I bought him as the patriarch. I bought him as the 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 middle aged man uh, learning to cope with the new set of circumstances. The, fine. It, it, it's interesting that I think when the film was released, Burt Lancaster's performance wasn't exactly uh, appreciated. I'll put it that way. And yeah. I ironically think this is 
one of the best performances I've, I've seen from Burt Lancaster and uh, Lancaster actually they had a, a rough start him and, and Visconti I'm sure you heard in the uh, uh, commentary but the the role of um, so people who don't know Italian films quite often uh, cast people from who who didn't know any Italian French actors English actors whatever um, and off and and dubbed them that was just common practice it was assumed was you practice you were dumb in, well there was, that was practice in a lot of european movies at the time was just uh, don't even record on set sound oh french people did a lot french looped everything yes but uh, even even in france like a lot of times they they see there's a difference between dubbing and adr like yeah they italian films would just get different actors for italian actors to dub their lines no reason they recorded the lines in, in italian yeah it just was something Weird. that like you would you would cast for the voice and you would cast for the the physical appearance um but i, I think this is one of burt lancaster's best performances and and it's it's interesting that like the moment you see him on screen he's often like sometimes he's small in the frame sometimes he's surrounded by a bunch of other people but there's always this real sense of authority that is just kind of inherent to to people with power and people good actors um and burt lancaster is i don't know i, I feel like i'm 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 aware of the dubbing but i i got used to it pretty quickly especially eight and a half um i picked up on the fact that italians did that with that film and then i was just like all right fine um, <laughs> But there is a, a something interesting about the differences between the book, um, which is apparently a very it's a very famous book. Um, one of the Italian great uh, literature. Some, yeah, some some magazine called it one of the best historical epics ever written. Um, obviously, I've never read it. Uh, and uh, <laughs> the in the book, the the, the titular leopard, uh, Don, Prince Don Fabrizio is, of Selena is um, older. He's an older man. Uh, Burt Lancaster was only like 49. He's in early 50s when he played this role. Um, and, and at certain points in the film, he does look quite young. Like, but other times he looks old and it, it's, it's not exactly consistent. But I think there's an interesting um, development here that the... Let me get his name. I'm just going to get his name right. Peter Cowie. It is Peter Cowie. Peter Cowie doesn't pick up on this in the commentary. I'm going to not disagree with him, but but I think the his performance adds something that the the book could never have in that the fact is the the age of the the prince doesn't matter at all and i think it it adds something that he does look young at certain points in that it's not a physical death that he goes through he's not physically getting closer to death it's his way of life it's his spiritually and how he feels the world around him is coming to an end and it having him be a little younger kind of emphasizes that over the physicality of death, which doesn't matter. Who cares no, I, if you die? It's the point of the film is the the passing of an age and, and him finding things changing about him. And, you know, it could he could be. Younger, he could be older, but the fact is, is like he's so set in his ways. He's so ingrained in his social strata that it's all he knows. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter yeah. how old or how young it is. It doesn't matter if he's going to die tomorrow or in 30 years. His way of life is coming to an end. And, and you feel that. And I think 
Burt Lancaster sells that um, in his performance and just his physicality. There's a sort of um, th- well, there's another element to it where Burt Lancaster again, you don't need this guy like 60 or whatever. He looks very middle aged, which is fine. But you look at Burt Lancaster and Burt Lancaster just has that actor quality, that that leading man quality. And you see that in him, but it's aged. It's older. It's middle aged, whatever. But you can see that he's sort of like an echo of the young, his nephew, uh, Alan. Tancredi. Uh, Tancredi. Yeah, Tancredi. Yeah. Um, so you can see that both these men have that, that leading man type thing. You can see that um, uh, Prince, the, the Prince was very likely similar to Tancredi when he was younger. But he's not that guy anymore. And you can sort of see the way that they share the scenes together where Burt Lancaster, there's like a a flicker of that young fire that uh, the uh, the nephew has, Tancredi has, but it's gone. And you can slowly get that sense that Tancredi is sort of like taking over his position, his like role as the new young attractive guy or whatever. And there's a mm-hmm. bit of a meta thing there, but also you have to understand that it's French star different than an American star. I'm sure whatever. Um, but no, I, th- I think he's great. Hmm. So to go back to the very beginning, um, I, I, uh, a little bit about my history with the film and then what I thought of the movie, which I've kind of hinted at, but, uh, I blind bought the criterion. Actually, no, that's not strictly true. Uh, I actually, it was on the criterion channel a while ago and I watched the first 10 minutes and I said, this is boring. Fuck this. And I it <laughs> true. Um, didn't like it. And so, uh, didn't watch it. And then uh, it came around to about, I think it was about 2019 when I bought this, blind bought this essentially. Um, I was like, all right, time to give it another watch. Um, as we know, I have a thing for long movies and historical epics. So I was like, well, might as well, might as well buy it. Take a chance. And I watched it and I was like, this is good. It, it wasn't, I, I, I was unfair the first time I watched it. M- much the same reaction you have. Um, but this most recent time watching it, um, I don't know what it was, but something about it clicked that it was like, this is just really great movie. And it, it, it's special. Like there's something about it that feels unique in the way that only like a, a director, a unique director can. Like it's a unique voice that I don't think we've had on the BFI list yet. And it's the only film. It's only Visconti film on the uh, the BFI list. Um, and so I'm happy that, that that voice is on here. And, and as I said, he was a count. He, he came from aristocracy of that old era. And I think there's a whole interesting thing that you, you should look into who Visconti was and why this film is such an interesting expression of, of who he is. In addition to who the, the author of the book was, because the author of the book was also a, a member of the aristocracy, looking back nostalgically hmm. on these yeah. years. And Visconti has a very different reaction. And, and it interesting connections here is that a, a film we talked about earlier in the podcast uh, a day in the country the unfinished jean renoir short film um uh visconti knew uh coco chanel the famous uh, fashion designer and through coco chanel uh met a bunch of people including jean renoir and that's how he got into film he was an, uh, an assistant on a day in the country and Apparently didn't do much, but that's how he got his his start in film. Um, so it's interesting that 
a connection with another like, film on the uh, list. Steven Spielberg on uh, Shadows. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, so he comes from this this position of of great wealth and aristocracy, and he he falls into the crowd of of Jean Renoir, um, who was a Marxist. And essentially, uh, Visconti became after that a lifelong uh, Marxist. Um, fairly not very not very vocal about it. Uh, he was also uh, bisexual, leaning heavily uh, towards uh, being gay, um, but did have both relationships. Um, also important to know makes it an interesting <laughs> thing. So a very interesting man for his time and place. Like that's not the kind of person you'd expect to Italy of all places, the home of the, of the Vatican city to, uh, to produce, but they did. Mm. And he got his start in his, his career started very much as one of the founding fathers of the Italian neorealist movement, which watching the leopard, if this is your first Visconti film, you'd say this man, this man made neorealist films. Um, cause he's kind of, he kind of has a similar career path to uh, Fellini where they both started very grounded neorealist. Um, but the echoes of what they would do later on in their career were there. And then really, I think with Senso and finally with like the leopard, he, he fully made the transition into his directorial style as it is primarily known as this kind of rich, rich, uh, luxurious, um, grand epic, uh, romantic. Uh, historical epics that he did. Um, hmm. Interesting guy. I've had various luck and uh, not luck with uh, Visconti. I really love his his near realist work. I, I highly recommend La Terra Trema and Rocco and His Five Brothers, which isn't strictly near realist, but it's yeah adjacent. But everything else I've seen of his, I hate. Absolutely hate. Don't like it. <laughs> Senso. Uh, and uh, Death in Venice, find absolutely intolerable. And I'll, I'll have to give him a rewatch because obviously the leopard grew on me. But there's something about, uh, to cap this all off, that I think this viewing in particular was uh, successful for me because I had the, the knowledge of him as a director, both his neorealist beginnings and his extravagant final years. And I think the leopard for me, that highlighted the fact that there is, despite the fact that the, the film follows a uh, the aristocrats and it is very much seeped in the the world of luxury and all that, there are moments of his his neorealist past hmm. in there, in that what makes the film interesting for me is not necessarily because not much happens, but I think it does a great job of providing. Uh, counterexamples of like contrasting things together the the old grandeur of fabrizio don fabrizio versus tancredi who is um an opportunist the the old world versus the new world there's a great scene where the uh the priest they're stopping overnight as they're traveling to the uh their other home and the priest talks with some of the local uh peasants you you get to connect with something outside of that world and there's there's a great juxtaposition of that and then of course you see some of the servants and one of my favorite cuts of the film and maybe of all time it's a very it, 
it seems like a very Eisenstein-y montage edits. It's very much um, very much an edit that a, that a Marxist, a self-proclaimed Marxist would make. It's near the end of the film, and it's right after uh, Don Fabrizio is, has a discussion with a, uh, a government bureaucrat, he essentially uh, says, look, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a dying breed of a man. You don't want me in government. Um, and then it cuts to a beautiful landscape shot of the Sicilian countryside and the peasants farming. And you stick on that for a few moments and then it fades immediately towards the, the grand 45 minute ballroom sequence that finishes off the film. So you go immediately from like poor Sicilian countryside to the, the most grand opulence that the film has to offer. And it's, uh, well, it, there's, there's stuff like that throughout the film that makes it interesting and makes it like, it has something very interesting to say. And that's, uh, I'll let you talk. There's a lot of uh, really interesting cuts too, where I feel like they cut mid note in a song. Like the scenes, they have this big sweeping orchestral scores and then just go boop immediately to the next scene, which I thought was fun. But no, that scene you're talking about where uh, the, the prince uh, rejects, the offer to be in the government. I think that's where everything started to click for me because this whole time I was just thinking, okay, is this going to be a revolutionary drama? Is this going to be like a, a, a sort of um, conflicting marital drama or whatever? And it's at that moment where I realized, oh, okay, this is about the fact that he doesn't know what to do with his life. Change is coming. He can't stop it. He's, he's too old to learn anything new. He's just going to enjoy the last days of uh, this era, this lifestyle. And I think that's what made the last scene so great to me, because it's literally like a whole hour is this ballroom scene. Yeah. And it's great. I mean, they have great. Um, obviously, the battle sequences, I thought, really good. Um, it's mm -hmm. just they, they, it's all scale. No, like micro filmmaking. Just here's a camera fucking war. Do war. <laughs> and I'm going to capture it all. And those are fun, too. But like this, I really got the, the feel of the epic in this last like hour. Where I don't, as I get older, I, I'm, I'm starting to appreciate period movies more. And I just thought that ball looks like fun. Everybody's <laughs> dancing and you can see, you can feel just how long this ball is going on. And it's sort of like this is to me that that final ball is like. The prince has fully come to terms with the fact that there's no stopping what's coming. The world's going to change almost overnight. He's going to be left behind. To me, it feels like this is his last hurrah. And I think that's what makes the ball so special. He he gets to dance a little bit. He does the waltz. The 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 fucking Angelica says, "Do this dance with me, this risque new dance." And Burt Lancaster says, "No, but I will do the waltz because that's that's what's going on. The waltz, the old stuff. This is what he knows. This is what he's gonna do while he can still do it." And you know, the, as the, it goes on and it goes on, you can see people are leaving. There's the, those people who are dancing at like four in the morning by themselves, and I. I liked this movie. I thought it was good. It wasn't until literally that last scene where Burt Lancaster says, I think I'm going to walk where I kind of understood exactly what everything was going on. Um, and it's just it's such a melancholy ending. He's just walking in. Yeah. He's it's like one last look at this world that will be gone tomorrow. Not tomorrow, tomorrow, but essentially tomorrow. Right. Right. He's taking one last moonlit stroll through his life before it ends and i thought damn this is pretty great this is pretty great it is it, it it's telling such a subtle story and it's a story it it's like a thematic story like the 
what's actually the actual narrative details, what we would call the plot, isn't really what is being told. Um, yeah, and rather it's there all is a lot kind of, of it, under the, the surface. Yeah, there's a lot. There's, I think there's a lot of different ways you can can approach this film. Um, obviously, there's an interesting, uh, maybe not interesting, but there's a love story kind of going on with Tancredi and uh, whatever her name is, played by uh, Claudia Claudia Cardinelli and Alain Delon. Two of the most attractive European yes. actors of the day. <laughs> yeah, and they're together. And it's like, how can you not be at the very least uh, this, interested this in is, watching? This is what Paul Schrader would argue cinema is. Seeing two non-ugly people. <laughs> Was it Paul Schrader? I feel like who... He's he, one of his Facebook posts talked about like you go to what you, you're telling me you go to movies to see ugly people. You don't you go to movies to see people <laughs> much more attractive than we are. And he would know because the man's a fucking goblin. <laughs> ah, it was um, Martin Scorsese. I'll send you this video. He was doing an interview about some of his favorite films and The Leopard is one of them. Obviously, um, feels, feels, uh, we agree. Yeah. I, I feel like Paul Schrader and I are. Um, Two people who disagree entirely on film. <laughs> and then Martin Scorsese is different in that I don't always like like his movies, but I feel like we have the exact same, like we love the same kind of movies, have a similar kind of approach to, to cinema, at least on a theoretical level. Um yeah, and and so with the the Don Fabrizio and his it, it's his film, really. Um and this time around, what it also hit home to me that I was really like the film was really clicking with me this time was that it, before he has the dance with Angelica or maybe it's afterwards, it's afterwards. Uh, he go he's in the bathroom, which one I don't know if you noticed, but there's a bunch of uh, pots in a different room right by the bathroom. Those are all filled with shit because they don't have plumbing. They're chamber. Oh, pots. awesome. Cool. <laughs> fun little fun little historical detail for you there. Nice. Um, Please notice. And then, uh, <laughs> but he looks in the mirror and he has like a little tear. And I'm like, why do, why do, why am I feeling emotionally connected for this wealthy aristocrat who the film makes very clear is disconnected with the time, but also with the, the struggles of the, the regular Sicilian people around him. But I felt myself like genuinely engaged with and sad for him and what he was going through. And it 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 clicked with me emotionally. Like before my first full viewing, I was like, "This is a really interesting film. It's filmed wonderfully, beautifully shot, edited, all that." But this time, it really like struck me as a a well made movie on a on a narrative and emotional level. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's it's very literary movie where things just sort of come and go conflicts characters introduced and they're gone um but the the underlying theme of of this transition of this uh this age that is ending it you can look at every character and you can see how that character factors into it like i'm just now realizing that tancredi is not his son he's his nephew and you see the prince's son but the prince's son when you look at him the more and more I think about it, the more tragic it is because that son, he is equipped and raised to 
dominate this world that is not going to exist anymore. His whole family's fucked. Um, I mean, they'll be fine because they have money, but the, the son was taught, he's basically taught a language that nobody speaks anymore. The mother, too, like, I got the sense that the prince probably had, like, affairs or whatever, but he has this loveless marriage that was a symbol. He was happy with it when it was a symbol, but now it's not a symbol that means anything anymore because his his wife occupies a job that will no longer exist. But yeah, it's it's very dense. Um, I'm going to attribute the first half to just maybe wrong, wrong time. Uh, I think it's great. And I will just say that I do think it deserves to be on it, even though I'm not as big a, on it as you are. I, I can only see this going up on review uh, reviewings. And part of that duality of the film of like lots of contrasts uh, is the the interesting part for me, of course, is the reason why I brought up all that backstory about Visconti uh, is the fact that there is kind of like this this tension in the film in that you can feel his his sympathies lie both with the the aristocracy and and he is somewhat reminiscing about this period, but at the same time he is politically like against this style of lifestyle and you can tell that and there's throughout the film it's it's got a lot to say politically that i feel like i i haven't seen anywhere as expressed so elegantly particularly the idea that the one of the the more poignant lines in the film that is repeated twice uh tancredi brings it up in the beginning and then uh lancaster um his character, the Don, internalizes that and, and realizes the meaning of it. And it's um, everything must change so that everything can stay the same. He knows, the leopard knows that everything's changing. And he's essentially working to make sure that the change happens. Because he supports Tancredi. He supports all of his, his political manipulations. He refuses his political appointment and instead recommends the, essentially, what I, I assume is like a proto-mafia boss. That's the, the town mayor. Um, I feel like this man could appear in The Godfather uh, Part Two uh, and and be at home. Um, but there is the interesting political idea that I was aware of because I'm I'm tuned into these things. Uh, that the fact that the the power structures in the film don't change, like theoretically, democracy has been brought to Italy. They've unified. There's more voice. But the fact is that like the aristocracy was here and it's just been moved over to the bourgeoisie over here. And so everything changed. Political power changed, the shape of the nation changed, but nothing changed. The state of the Sicilians, the workers, everything, it's all the same. And that's the story of history right there. Same shit, different day. Yep. Yep. Same shit, different government. See, I think um, Burt Lancaster probably could have succeeded by joining this new government. Speaking kind of, of which, uh, I don't know if you know this, but Burt Lancaster, I was looking into him as, a, as an actor and as a person. He was incredibly based. Was he? Good. Like, I, Always good to hear. I cannot offhand think of a, of a more, just an honorable man. He, um, he did fundraising and was present at uh, fundraising for Martin Luther King and was present at the I Have a Dream speech along with Marlon Brando and someone else. Marlon Brando in particular, but yes, love this film. Um, 
Like, I love it. I, I didn't think I would ever would. I think it was just like always a, a historical curiosity and an interesting film, but I, I genuinely liked it this time and I highly recommend the Blu-ray. It's got a heck of a lot of bonus features. And nice. Wonderful. Yeah. But do you think it should be on the list? Oh, yes. Yes. It should be. on. Okay. The list. There we go. Hey, there we go. The symbol's that. 